Hey there, lovely souls. I'm your host, Allison Toth, and I want to give you a warm welcome to Wishing You Wellness, the podcast where mental health meets spirituality. When it comes to rock bottom, I've been there more than once, and I know what it's like to wake up daily to mental health struggles. On this podcast, I share insight and stories to help motivate and inspire you and to help you feel less alone in this. In Wishing You Wellness, we talk inner child healing, mindset shifts, radical self-love, the art of intentional living, and so much more. Think of me as your mental wellness bestie. If you're ready to step into your power and change your life, just hit play. All right. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another week of Wishing You Wellness. As always, it is so, so, so good to see your radiant faces. You guys, I am so freaking excited because today, not only do I have a guest, but I have one of my favorite humans in the whole entire flipping world here, Kylie Wyrick. She is the host of Finding Flow. She is the owner of Finding Flow Co. And she is so many things. But the most important of those things being just like sunshine in human form. If you met this girl, guys, she is just always so cheerful and so energetic and being around her makes you feel so high vibe and just so much better. So Kylie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on because I feel like you're going to bring so much light and so much insight to my listeners. Oh my goodness. Hi. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for such a sweet introduction. I'm like over here blushing. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I am so excited to be here with you today. And for those of you listening, I just had Allison on my podcast as well. I feel like we are just two little peas in a pod and co-creating with you is nothing but a dream. I feel like our energy is just so potent when we come together And so I am super excited to just be here and share some wisdom and share all the good vibes today. Yes. If you guys haven't gotten to check out the episode that Kylie and I collabed on on her show, go to Finding Flow on Spotify or Apple. It's her most recent episode. I think it's called something like addiction, recovery and everything in between. But basically, Kylie and I dove into addiction recovery, mental health stigmas, taking care of yourself, holistic versus pharmaceutical health all kinds of things. So go check that one out because I feel like there was so much in that episode. We had initially just said we were going to talk about addiction and recovery, but then all of a sudden we were going down all these little paths and like avenues and just talking about everything because that's just kind of how Kylie and I work. We, <laughs> we vibe you guys, and you're going to see that in today's episode. So before we get too deep into anything, Kylie, why don't you tell my listeners where you're at, like where you're coming on from and who you are, just a little bit about you. Yeah, so I am currently in Washington State. I am just a few minutes outside of Seattle, and I am not- You're not in Wisconsin? I'm not in Wisconsin, no. (laughs) (laughs) I really thought she was in Wisconsin. (laughs) It started with a W, that was close enough. Oh my goodness. I am in Washington. I'm a little bit outside of Seattle, which is a little bit crazy for me. I'm learning that I'm not so much of a city gal, especially with just some crazy stuff going on over there. Um, But I find myself here in this little bubble and just connecting with so many like-minded souls such as Allison. And so, yeah, I am, like Allison introduced me, I am a owner of Finding Flow Co. I just recently actually quit my nine to five to start my own business and 
it has been very challenging, but also very rewarding. And so I am a certified holistic health coach, and I really specialize in helping everybody that I try to come in contact with, finding so much inner peace and stability that absolutely nothing can ruin your day. And whether that is an individual or a couple or just the dynamics of somebody with their family or other outside relationships, I truly like to focus on this idea of conscious relating. And so it all just comes down to the way that you interact with yourself will dictate the way that the rest of your life and interactions go. And so through finding holistic health and wellness and being able to truly care for yourself, I find that life is just a bit more easy. Wow, that is so beautiful. So do you mind telling us just a little bit more about what conscious relating means to you and why it's important? Totally. So conscious relating, if you guys have heard that term before, I feel like it honestly is always in relation to romantic relationships. Like I've always heard of it as just being able to consciously relate to your partner, which I do believe is a very, very huge part of conscious relating. But my partner and I took this a step further to develop this idea that conscious relating is the practice of actually being able to relate to yourself as a means of relating to the people, places, and things around you. And so it's just taking that one step deeper and like the way that you perceive yourself and the way that you, um, you know, like your programmed beliefs, the shadow work, the inner child, like all of these things, the way that you understand yourself directly impacts the way that you understand everything around you. So that does play a very big part in romantic relationships. And yeah, that's why I say like, I'm so passionate about working, yes, with couples, but also with individuals because everything starts from an individual aspect. Mm -hmm. And do you know that quote? It's something like you can only meet others as far as you've met yourself. Yes. Oh my God. I feel like that was basically written about conscious relating. Exactly. Exactly. Because you think about all of these little bumps or hiccups that people have in romantic relationships. And if you take a deep dive, it has nothing to do with those two people. It has everything to do with the individuals within that relationship. And so it totally does. Yeah, it all goes back to you can only meet other people as deeply as you've met yourself. Mm, absolutely absolutely and you know because projection is such a real thing I feel like when you are struggling with things internally that you haven't checked or addressed those are also going to manifest in your relationships and you're going to project those onto your romantic partners and your friendships and your family members and basically just anyone that you can exactly yeah yeah and so you guys the reason I really really wanted to have Kylie on today I always want to have Kylie on, but the reason I wanted to have her on this specific episode is because I've actually been working with Kylie on something called conscious couples counseling. It's a mouthful. It's a tongue twister. It's three C's conscious couples counseling. And basically it's what it sounds like. It's kind of like hippy dippy couples therapy. It's where you get together, (laughs) you get together with a specialist who specializes in conscious relating and you learn together as a partnership how to consciously relate together and how to just be more present in your relationship. So my partner and I actually did a session with Kylie two weeks ago and 
it was freaking amazing. Um, I'm going to let Kylie tell you guys just a little bit about it and then I'll share my perspective too. But yeah, um, Kylie, why don't you tell them a little bit too about the download and how we kind of came to this at the same time? Yes. Oh my goodness. So I, this is actually a really funny story and I feel like it's kind of the beginning of you and I connecting over everything is that my, my partner, Colin and I have been talking about conscious relating and it's something that him and I engage in so much. And we recorded a podcast episode together. Long story short, Allison and her partner listened to the episode and we're like, oh my goodness, you know, like, I feel like I could actually benefit from hearing some more perspective from you. And Allison was like, you know, if you ever felt like doing a one-off call here, you know, if you ever felt like doing some coaching, I would definitely be interested in it. And that was just the little like lighting the fire under my ass. It was exactly what I needed, like a little confirmation from the universe that actually pushed me to take those steps towards that direction. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, I relate to I conscious couples counseling and the same thing as just being a conscious person is to me goes back to the same idea as therapy. You know, there's, you can go to therapy for anxiety or depression or whatever it is you might be experiencing. And there are also relationship therapists. And in my opinion, you can go And you can talk to somebody for hours, but when that person hasn't actually experienced what you've been through and is not able to relate to you on a personal level, it doesn't exactly hit home. And so for me and Colin, him and I both have experienced what I like to call unconscious relationships where it is like blame and projection and this is your fault and how dare you. And we've been able to take what we've learned from that and along with our family and just other relationships that we've observed in our life and kind of figure out these pillars to what a conscious relationship looks like and how you are able to actually use that dynamic to create a healthy and sustainable relationship. Because I feel like there's this idea that relationships are supposed to be easy. Like you find the love of your life and all of a sudden like life is perfect. You never have an argument because he's your soulmate or she's your soulmate. And I hate to break it to you, but that's just not the case. There really, I can't tell you how long I was drinking that Kool-Aid. I can't tell you how long teenage Allison was like, it's supposed to be like the movies. He is supposed to bring roses every night. We're supposed to get along on absolutely everything. It is supposed to be fireworks 24 seven like that's just how it's supposed to be he's supposed to make me whole and then I became an adult and realized that's actually a sign of codependency and that's actually a big red flag and now I'm like oh my gosh that is that's not it it's not it and you know what you just said that I feel like is key is I thought that he was supposed to make me whole that right there because you always hear like oh I found my other half like he completes me And in my, in my opinion, you need to be a whole as yourself. Like you cannot rely on somebody else to fill the void within you. To make you whole. Yeah, exactly. And so it's from this place by being able to consciously relate to yourself and your partner consciously relating to themselves, you can then come together and be this power team rather than rather than a whole together. It's like, it's double, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think 
that when we're pushing that idea of searching for our other half, it's kind of like find someone that will, I don't know, that will like make your life I don't know how to, how do I say this? Like find someone and then all of a sudden your life will be good and they will make your life good for you instead of you actually creating the life of your dreams and doing your work. And that's just not how it works. You don't just meet someone and then suddenly you have the life of your dreams. It's not like the Disney movies. You actually have to follow your path. And something that's been powerful for me as an adult is realizing that romance is a part of the dream life. It's not the whole thing. My love story is such a beautiful part of my life. It is not my whole life though. I have hobbies and passions and friendships that mean just as much to me as my partner does. Yes. And that is so important. I think is that in relationships, again, there's that, I I keep wanting to go back to it, but that idea that you guys complete each other when in reality, it's two individuals, you know, like you can find your in quotes, other half, or you can find your soulmate, but it is so important to not lose sight of yourself and not lose sight of what actually makes you happy because that's a part of your whole. Right. And how can you even tell if you're with somebody because you truly want to be with them or if you're just with them because you're searching for another half, you know, like if you genuinely feel I'm not a whole person, I'm only half, then you're probably just like out of lack grasping at whatever you can get. Because trust me, I've been in that mindset before that like, oh shit, I don't want to be alone. Like panic, panic, panic. Totally. It's like, it's not a good place to start a relationship from. No. And it goes back to this idea also of chasing happiness or chasing joy. You know, like once I have this, then I can be happy. Once I look a certain way, then I can love myself. It's like, no, 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 no. How can you love yourself right here, right now? and be Mm -hmm. able to learn like, and be able to go towards a goal while also knowing that you are complete as you are. Yeah. Because like Eckhart Tolle says, Kylie holds up her book. (laughs) All we have is the present moment. All we have is right now. Yeah, totally. And that's another thing going back to conscious relationships is you can have this idea with your partner of, oh my gosh, we're always fighting. Like we need to work towards something. We need to work towards something. You know, once we get over this one argument, then we can be happy. And it's like, let's not see these things as bad. You know, there are speed bumps, there are hiccups in relationships. And if anything, those are challenges that are teaching you a lesson and you're, it's deepening your relationship. It lets that relationship become that much more strong, that much more powerful. And it just deepens your connection on a whole new level when you are actually able to have a conversation and learn about your partner from a place of consciousness. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like let's enjoy the struggles together. Like they don't always feel good, but we're in it together. At least like that mindset's been game changing for me, right? Like you have to go through shit in life. Be thankful. You get to go through shit with the person you love. Be thankful that they're willing to go through it with you because you're right. Relationships, real relationships are work and it's not supposed to be all work. You're supposed to have fun and laugh and be silly but it is work because we're all healing from generational trauma. We're all healing from our past. We're all healing from past relationships. And so there's going to be a lot of work that needs to happen and a lot of old mindsets unlearned and toxic patterns unlearned. And so just having someone who's willing to do that with you and willing to show up is huge. And so honestly, when my partner came to our little counseling session with Kylie, it meant so much to me. And it was really funny because 
we got on the call with Kylie and for the first 20 minutes, you guys, I'm not kidding. Brian just stared at the screen. He was just like <laughs> staring and like looking at me and then looking at Kylie. Like I could not tell what was going on in his mind. He was just kind of watching us. And I was like doing all of the talking and I was about to turn to him and be like, are you enjoying this at all? Like, and then all of a sudden, like a light went on. And he starts asking Kylie all these questions and he's like, how can I be more present? How can I do this? And I was like, oh my gosh, like I thought he was checked out, but really, I think he was just processing all of that and just like taking it all in and then boom, it all just kind of clicked in that moment. Yes. And Allison, you don't even realize it, but you are bringing a perfect example of conscious relating is like there for a minute, you had a little assumption of like, oh. Does he even care about what we're doing? You know, and you could have easily taken that into a downward spiral, like a downward, like, how dare you waste our time, blah, 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 blah. But you gave him the time of day. You gave him the opportunity to actually process things. And, you know, we all learn differently. We all show up differently. And so it's taking that time to learn to understand the background of your partner, to learn to understand the perspectives that they're coming from the generations that they're coming from, you know, what kind of relationship examples do they have in their life? And how does that impact the way that they're showing up in your relationship? Um, you know, I use, I'll use my partner as an example, but he grew up without a father figure. And so he didn't have that father figure, you know, he's had to learn a lot for himself. And so coming from somebody such as me, who did grow up with with a father figure in my life and a mother figure in my life, I have had to really take a step back and learn how to understand like what it is like for him and just being able to recognize that we all have such different perspectives when it comes to how things are supposed to be. And I'm, mm. I'm saying supposed to in, in quotes, because there's no normal, there's no right way. And there is no guidebook on how to run a successful relationship. Wow, you are so right. And there's so much happiness. You all, y'all waiting for us on the other side of the shoulds. If you can let go of the shoulds, you will experience so much more satisfaction in your relationships because every time you put a should, you're gonna let yourself down because people, that's just not how people work. Like people can't. Yeah people don't abide by your shoulds. They don't even know your shoulds exist. And it's not fair of you to expect, expect, expect out of others when we personally aren't following everybody else's expectations, you know? Yeah. And if you have those shoulds, I encourage you to question, question mm -hmm. where they're coming from. You know, if you have that belief that your partner should be buying you flowers twice a week, why is that? You know, is there an example of somebody in your life who does that for their partner? Did you see that in a movie and you're romanticizing that idea of a relationship? And yeah. on, the, on the other side of that too, if you're holding that should, does your partner know about that? Mm -hmm. Or are you just expecting them to read your mind? Mm -hmm. I really challenge you to, yeah, do that because so many of my beliefs I've realized are tied in the media. Like so many mm. things like, my boyfriend should want to slow dance with me in the middle of the supermarket aisles and he should, you know, <laughs> know what to do. Like, yes. I, I remember the first time I slow danced with Brian, like in public, he was like giggling and being all awkward. And I was like, come on, why are you being awkward? And he was like, I don't know. This is like, 
kind of weird. Like I'll do yeah. it, but this is a little weird. And I was like, but you're supposed to, but you're supposed to, you yeah. know, there are no supposed tos, Allison. He didn't watch the notebook. Chill out. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is all so relatable. Just so relatable. And I'm sure it's resonating with the listeners as well. It's like when in a movie, this is a perfect example. I like to bring out all the time. When in a movie, have you seen a couple start to get into an argument and then all of a sudden they pause and it says, Hey, what is the story that you're telling yourself? Or, you know, what, what is your perspective? How are you perceiving this situation? You never see that because that wouldn't make for a good movie. You know, what does make for a good movie is a couple throwing plates. Yeah. Throwing plates being like, fuck you. How could you not understand me? Like, yeah. And that's what, oh my gosh, that everything's clicking for me right now. Like that's what we're shown. Like that is what we are shown is what a relationship looks like. And I'm someone who has bipolar and borderline. And so for me, my relationships are already turbulent. And so then you combine the fact that I was raised on, you know, romance movies where these people's relationships are also up high, down low, up high, down low. And it's created this mentality in me where only recently I've learned to be comfortable in a stable relationship. I know this probably resonates for people because when I say this in a room full of women, I always get the nods, but I am, if my relationship was not chaotic and breakup makeup, I felt weird. Like I needed it to be fighting and getting back together and like ups and downs and craziness, or I was bored. Like I needed Mm. that chaos or something felt super wrong within my nervous system. That brings up such a good point in that sometimes feeling good is actually uncomfortable because you're not used to it. Mm -hmm. And and that takes so much time. And and it's almost like, you're not arguing with me. Like, so do you even care? Do you even have a, (laughs) do you even have opinions? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's that toxic mindset of if you're not fighting for me, you don't love me. But then you realize, wait, why the hell do they need to be fighting for me? There's no reason for that. They could just like be with me. Yes. Oh my goodness. And honestly, half of the time that I I can speak from my own experience, like if I find myself saying something that might be kind of headed towards an argument and my partner doesn't really respond or react or give into that, I'm taken back by it. It's like, well, why, you know, why are you acting so calm? Why are you acting like you don't care? And his response is like, well, you know, how can we, how can we just look at the situation with calm emotions right now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. Huge. And so Brian and I have kind of, we implemented this rule a while back in our relationship and we, you can hear freaking sirens. Welcome to downtown St. Louis. Um, <laughs> and ignore them. And it was this rule where there was basically no more storming out of the room because mm-hmm. we had gotten into that stupid habit of we would get into an argument, things would get too hot. And then one of us would storm out of the room. And we were listening to one of Maddie Maple's podcasts. And in it, she said something that really stuck with us. And it was play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. And that hit us so hard, because we were like, okay, what do you expect to come out of you storming out of the room? Like, what is the objective? Be honest with yourself, you want the other person to chase you. You want to play the cat and mouse game and you want someone to run out into the hallway 
screaming, baby, please. No, stupid game, stupid prize. And so that's our rule now. And now if somebody walks out of the room, the other person does not follow them. We don't entertain that shit because as much as we want to be like, Hey, I love you. Come back. We're not like breeding that in our relationship. We are not, um, endorsing that kind of behavior. Instead, we want to reinforce, Hey, why don't we take 10 minutes, go breathe in separate rooms, come back and try to talk about this, but not handling it in explosive ways, like slamming doors or walking out. Yes. And it is, I would just want to add on to that is like, when you are feeling those intense emotions where you want to slam a door, you want to storm off. How can you just identify that? You know, like, how can you just say, Hey, I am feeling so aggravated right now that I just need a minute to calm down so we can actually have a productive conversation. Because when you are in that fight or flight mode, in that aggravated, just like, I am so mad at you. There's no productivity that is going to come from that. And it's not, it's, it's also recognizing that that's okay. It is totally fine to be feeling those intense emotions, but you need to respond rather than react. And I think too, just hearing you say that like you guys are implementing, if somebody storms out, the other person doesn't follow. Mm -hmm. So important because the person that's storming out can then start telling themselves stories like, well, they didn't follow me. So they must not love me. You know, it's like, how can we realize that the person that's not playing the game is actually holding the fort down? Yep. They are. It's like you said, with the masculine and the feminine energy, they're being the riverbank. They are being the stronghold while the water is kind of going woo woo. Yes. Yes. And for those that might not know about that analogy is like in a feminine and masculine relationship and whether this is like two females, two males, a male and a female, every single individual has a little bit of masculine and a little bit of feminine in them. And there's typically one partner in the relationship that holds that more masculine energy, that more like, okay, this person is emotional. I am going to be the riverbank so that the feminine can flow, which is the water within the riverbank, you know, like holding that structure, holding the fort down and really being that rock. And it's also recognizing that it's okay when the rock also needs to crumble. Because that was something that I found also was expecting my partner to just hold crazy emotions. And that's not necessarily fair either. It's emotional Mm. responsibility. Yes, I relate to that so much because in past relationships, I've really been careless about that. And I've really been like, take care of me, take care of me, take care of me. And I haven't really given past partners space to fall apart. Yeah, need me. And so I've been really conscious in my relationship with Brian to hold as much space as I can. Like, Hey, if you need to fall apart, if you need someone like I can be strong too, because a relationship has to have both people willing to step up when they need to, it can't be one person holding one person together because that's not a relationship. That's someone using another person as like floaties in the pool. Wow. I love that analogy so much. And something that Colin and I have actually implemented after this was a few months ago, I didn't realize that he was stressed out. You know, everybody has their own stressors outside of your relationship. So I didn't realize that he was stressed out from work and some stuff going on in his own life. And I just came in hot and dropped all of my emotions on him. 
And he didn't necessarily respond in a way that I expected him to. And so I took that as like, he doesn't care, blah, 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 blah. And the truth was he just didn't have the space to hold my emotions at that point. And Mm. so him and I have now implemented actually asking the other person, do you have the space for me to unload? Yes. I've been trying to do that in my friendships because I used to be a really bad friend problem dumper and I'd call my friends and just dump my shit on them for an hour and it's terrible. And so now I make an effort to be like, Hey, can I talk to you? Or like, do you have space to talk about this? Or, you know, at least asking someone how they are first, because yeah, people, people have their own shit going on. People have their own stuff and it's unlikely that they're going to tell you about that first. Mm-hmm. And so they're likely just going to sit there and let you pour your stuff on top of theirs. And like, just imagine the weight of that, you know, it can be so heavy. And I feel like that's where we need to release expectations of how we believe a partnership should look. A hundred percent. And I think that's such a good point because partnerships can seriously look so, so different. There are partnerships that seriously look more platonic. There are Mm -hmm. partnerships that are all about the romance. There are partnerships that are 50-50. There are partnerships that are poly. I mean, we're living in a time where a partnership can literally look however you want. I think the issue I had in the past was I was so stuck in my head that a partnership had to look a certain way. And it had to look exactly like this thing I'd seen in the movies. And then I realized like, the kind of relationship I wanted wasn't even that one. I just thought I wanted it because that's what I was shown. I was like, oh, well, that's what everyone wants, right? Yeah, that's such a good point in that we see these things and just assume that's what we want because that's what they make movies out of. So that must be the right way to have a relationship, you know? And then you step outside this little bubble of the world that you've grown up in and the opportunities are endless. The possibilities Mm -hmm. are endless. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And okay, okay, I'm about to dive off topic, but it's because I forgot to talk about this earlier and I really, really want to talk about it. So permission to dive off topic. Granted. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I hope that all the listeners in their car were like, granted. So today was a big day for me. Today, I graduated my IOP program. For those of you who don't know, that is intensive outpatient. Basically, I was going to a group therapy program three days a week from nine to like 1 p.m., so like four hours a day. And it was art therapy and music therapy and just daily check-ins, group therapy. And yeah, basically, the whole point of it was just to really get my bipolar completely in check and work on coping skills for my BPD and yeah, just get those coping skills up and feel good. And today I graduated and I'm feeling really, really good. And the reason I'm sharing this with you guys is because I hate the stigma around outpatient and inpatient and being bipolar. There is like such an intense stigma around all of that stuff. And there doesn't need to be. Um, I was saying in the other episode that I recorded with Kylie, sometimes when I tell new friends that I have bipolar disorder, they look at me like I told them I have colon cancer. And I'm like, guys, it's okay. Like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not going to die. Um, <laughs> I'm just bipolar. Like I just have mood swings. It's okay. It makes my life a little harder, but I'm okay. Um, and so I just want to be super open and transparent about my journey and about 
what I do for myself to cope so that other people who do have bipolar or borderline or any variation know that you can get help and know that that doesn't make you weak or less of a person or less fabulous and amazing because honestly, I feel like my best, most radiant self when I'm seeking treatment, when I'm getting the help I need. I just wanted to throw in there, if anything, getting the help that you need makes you stronger because you are admitting and you're able to, I don't want to say admit, but you are, you are aware that there is something within you that you want to fix. That's the first step. Oh, being aware of something that is going on is the very first step to healing. And so I think it is so powerful and just your experience and everything. Thank you. Thank you, Kylie. For years and years, I made excuses and I made my bipolar everybody else's problem. I was blaming my friends. I was blaming, you know, my life situation. I blamed where I came from. And eventually I ran out of shit to blame. And I had this really powerful realization when I was living out in the desert in Death Valley for four months. I was sitting there with Brian one night. We had just gone on like this beautiful hike. And I was like, here's the thing about moving. You can move, you, but you don't like solve all your problems. You just relocate them. Like now my problems are just in Death Valley. Like they're <laughs> still here. I'm still bipolar. I just live in the desert now. Like <laughs> such a powerful reframe. It truly is. You can, right. you can run, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> yes. And it's like, I'm not discouraging people from going and moving, like go move, get your change of scenery, do it. I've moved a dozen times and I've never regretted it, but also don't think that that's just going to magically fix everything because the only thing that's going to fix you is you like mm -hmm. actively putting in your work. That's what it's going to take. And for me, like what it really took was realizing that it's not all about you. And I know that sounds kind of bad, but you have to realize at a point that your mental health doesn't just affect you. It does affect the people around you. And even if you don't necessarily feel that you're ready to get better for yourself, there comes a point where you have to get better for those around you. And that's the point that I had reached. My bipolar had led me into addiction. Um, because of my bipolar, I was more prone to getting addicted to Xanax because obviously being bipolar, I'm always anxious and like feeling flustered. And so Xanax felt really good for me. And so because of that, I became an addict and I started doing a lot of really terrible things. And so it all went downhill and it all kind of spun out for me. And so I forgot where I was going with that. It all got sad. <laughs> well, I think that it goes back to conscious relating, you know, how relating to yourself, learning to understand yourself as a way to understand the people around you. You know, you can dump your, your in, in quotes, your issues, you can dump your problems on other people. You can try to run away from them, but until you actually learn to understand where they are coming from and the root of the issue, nothing is going to feel better. Nothing's going to get better. And I think that that is where you and I both ran into that issue of addiction is I, you know, other people aren't making me feel better moving isn't making me feel better. And so maybe by numbing out, I can feel better. Uh-huh. Yep. If you guys listen to Kylie and I's episode on her show, we dive deeper into that. Kylie and I were kind of on opposite sides of the addiction spectrum because she struggled with stimulants, whereas I struggled with benzos. So she struggled with the uppers. I struggled with the downers. We struggled in very different ways, but it was at the core of the same thing, that need to numb out, that need to feel something, and that need to just 
avoid feeling anything real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so powerful. And when you can bring that back into a relationship as well, is is having your partner know that about you, you know, having like being able to openly talk about all of these things with the people that care about you. And Allison, I think I forget exactly how you said it, but you mentioned something in our episode that was like, the people that care about you, uh, what am I trying? It's like you're not too much for them. You know, like those, there will actually be people that are there for you. They're not mad that you're complaining. They're not mad that you're venting, but you need, they to be want conscious. to help. Yeah. They are people that want to help, but you just need to be conscious that you're, that, that you are dumping it on them and not just dumping it and dipping, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. There was a point in my life and it was in college and also high school, to be honest, where I was using my borderline as an excuse to just like shit and just like be awful to my friends and just be toxic. And at that point, my friends were so right to walk out on me and I support that to the end. They should have walked out on me because I needed them to. So I could go, huh, looking around what's going on here. Am I the common thread? Yes, I am. That needed to happen so that I could see that that was the problem. Um, so if you, it's it's such a fine line to walk. Like if you have a friend who is borderline bipolar, you can support them and love them so much, but they also have to want to get better. Like right now where I'm at in my recovery, I have really healthy, awesome friendships. And that's because the very top of my priority list is my mental health. Every second of every day, I'm checking in with how I'm doing mentally. So I don't bring toxic energy into my friendships anymore because I'm always in check with myself. Like I definitely haven't figured it all out, but I've definitely figured out how to show up more healthy in my relationships because I'm conscious and aware. And it's like you said, Kylie, that's the very first thing. Like being able to be aware is freaking everything. And 90% of the world, probably more, doesn't even get that far. No. And that's unconscious relating, baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's our full circle. Yeah. It's like we are so consumed in our thoughts and we are so consumed in doing that we are not taking enough time to actually figure out where those thoughts are coming from, why we're telling ourselves these stories. And that's one thing that I do want to bring into this episode is One of my favorite things to say ever, whether this is a romantic partner or a friendship or a relationship with your family is how can you implement the saying, the story I'm telling myself is because the chances are, if you are upset about something, or if you are feeling a certain way, it's not actually what you think it is. It's not that other person making you upset. It's not this situation that is making you upset, but how can you use it as a mirror to actually reflect and see, Hey, why am I telling myself this story? You know, did you see what I posted reposted yesterday on Instagram? It said, people are not there to make you happy. They're there to make you conscious. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) I love it so much. just like <laughs> I think that people are often almost like a mirror for your insecurities because have you ever just found yourself looking at someone and then a super judgmental thought like jumps to the top of your head and you're like mm, that whatever it is and then you're like wait a second that thought didn't even feel like mine like what judgy judgy woman in my voice like what was that yes oh my goodness so powerful because you can actually see like hey where do I think about that 
in regard to myself, you know, Uh and I just, yeah, this is huge. We could go on and on about using the external world as a mirror for the internal. And I just think that when you, again, it it goes to, goes back to the saying your um, internal world creates your external reality. That's my favorite ever. Yeah. And I like this because the internal world is the one thing we always have complete and total control over. And I think that's where your power is. You can't control external factors. Things are going to happen to you and you're going to have little to no say in it. But one thing you can always control, one thing that can always be unshakable is your inner world because that's yours. No one has access to you besides you. Like how freaking powerful is that? Yes. And I think it's so difficult because like you mentioned, not everybody is aware of that. Now, I feel like we are headed in the right direction, and that is the foundation of, for me, finding Floco. It is the, the foundation of my work is understanding that all of, in all of my problems, my like social anxiety, my eating disorder, my addiction, my problems with my family, I was the common denominator. I needed to find flow. I needed to learn how to collaborate in harmony with my life's circumstances rather than expecting life to change to meet my needs. Wow. The most empowering phrase that has ever left my mouth is I was the problem. Honestly, I feel so empowered when I say it. I was the freaking problem. It was me. Ownership. Ownership, baby. That's all it is. Kylie, why don't you go ahead and tell my listeners how they can keep up with you uh, just a little bit about like where to find your pod, where to find your Instagram. I'll leave it in the show notes too, but just so they can keep up with you if they're feeling like more Kylie Wyrick is needed in their life. (laughs) I love you. Um, Yeah. So I do have everything in the link in my bio on my Instagram, which is probably the easiest way to reach me. It's a little tap link where you can yeah, access my podcast information, my coaching information. Um, I also have like an online yoga studio, just a bunch of different offerings and really just helping people find flow. And so my website is findingflowco.com. Again, you can find that through the link in my Instagram. And that's probably just the, that's like my home base, you know? <laughs> yes. Kylie, thank you so much for coming on. I knew that we were going to have the best time because we did last time. And I know that I'm going to have you back on the show because we just collab really well together. And I feel like there are so many other topics that we could jump into and we could have kept going today, but I know we said we'd keep it around an hour or under. So I'm trying to do that, trying to honor my word for once. No. And I think that's a good idea because then we're just going to have to come back for more. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This is like part one of a 20 part series between me and Kylie. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you guys, thank you for listening. This has been wishing you wellness. I will see you next time.